Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Saints Radio Voices broadcast. My name's Teresa Smith, and I am so privileged to have this opportunity to be talking with all of you today, wherever you are. I've had a bit of time to pray and prepare something to share with you guys today, but as often happens, I'm not ending up talking at all about what I thought I'd share. So isn't that just the way God works sometimes? In my prayer time this week, I've been thinking a lot about holiness. Maybe it's just the fruit of the seven spirits fast that we've been participating in as we've aligned with the Saints Network in preparation for the upcoming seminar that's happening in Dallas Um, March 17th through the 21st. Or perhaps it's just because it is the call of God upon his saints. In fact, it's the same Greek word, hagios, that is translated as both saint and holiness in the scriptures. So let's talk just a little bit today about holiness. What does that mean, holiness? We know that the spirit of holiness and adoption is one of the seven spirits of God, It's represented by the light blue color in the rainbow. Hagios, as I said before, is the Greek word translated as holiness in the scriptures. It means to be clean or chaste, perfect, pure. It means to be separated out. And we truly are separated out as we follow our Lord and Savior. We're dedicated to the process of walking with God. We allow his grace to come and move us into a place of promotion where we can grow closer and closer to him. We desire intimacy with our father. We long to know his heart and to do his will. We commit ourselves to partnership with God. For today, I'd like to point you to the first chapter of the book of First Peter. Let's read just a portion of this passage together today. In it, I see so much of the times in which we live, and for me, it holds great power and equipping to endure for today and to have a secure hope for our future. Let's go to 1 Peter 1, verses 1 through 16. And here we read in 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. These were believers who had been dispersed throughout the world of Peter's day, and they were living, just like we are, not among believers, but in the world. We're truly strangers in the world, sojourners, if you will. We don't really fit in with the world, nor should we try too hard to fit in, because if we do, we will be overcome by the world. And yet, even though we don't fit in, We have to exist in the world. It really is a place of tension, isn't it? In two, the strangers he talks about, it says, are the elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So just like these strangers that Peter speaks to, We too are the elect and we're moving forward in God. We are sanctified or made holy by the power of the Holy Spirit. We desire to obey God. We cry out for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And through that, we receive his grace for promotion and going forward into all that he has for us as we partner with him. 
and we receive the multiplication or the abundance of his peace, his peace which comes as the result of victory after battle. Any of you feel like you're in a battle? His his peace speaks of the fulfillment of his will, the accomplishment of his purpose. In verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We cry this out together, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful that in His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? This is our inheritance. It's an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade, and it is kept in heaven for us. No matter what the world throws at us, No matter what comes against us, this inheritance is kept for us. The word that's used here for kept should be really familiar to all of us. It's terio. Our inheritance from the Lord is terioed by him in heaven for us. What an amazing promise. And then look at this next promise. By faith, we are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. What this actually says, and I'm so overwhelmed by this, is that we are garrisoned about or hemmed in by the dunamis of God through faith unto salvation or unto our fulfillment so that we are fully adjusted and prepared so that we can be revealed in the last time. This revelation is the word familiar again, to us, or it should be, apocalypto. We will be apocalyptoed in the final kairos. The picture I get is that like a secret weapon, fully adjusted and prepared, the saints will be revealed in the final act. This this is what all creation is groaning and crying out for. In 6, it says, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. So, because of these promises of God to us, we greatly rejoice, even though it's possible that right now we are enduring hard things. We're enduring many things. This greatly rejoice is not just a quiet, steady endurance of hard things. What it really means is that we jump for joy. This is overcoming. We jump for joy in spite of the season of heaviness, in spite of the many trials, because we know and understand what God our Father is working on our behalf. In 7 it says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love, in whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. 
Our faith is much more precious than gold. Gold which will perish, even though it's already been refined by fire. And those of us who love Jesus Christ rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We jump for joy. Our faith will bring him praise and honor and glory when he is also apocalyptoed or revealed at his appearing when he comes again. No wonder we're told to guard our most holy faith. Don't we know that in these days so much comes at our faith to diminish it and undermine it? Stand strong, dear saints. Our faith will bring him praise and honor and glory. In verse 10 it says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into." Isn't it amazing that we are recipients of things the angels desire to look into? I looked this up also in the NIV because sometimes since I was raised up as a believer in the NIV, I still wrangle a little bit with the King James. And this is what it says in the NIV, and I felt like it was a little easier for me to understand, and so maybe it will be that way for you. In verse 10 it says, Concerning this salvation... The prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. It is amazing, isn't it? And this passage in that we've just looked at leads us to verse 13. And there's a warning there. It says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? Gird up the loins of your mind. To gird up the loins doesn't mean just to stand strong, even though it does mean that. The loins represent our creative ability, our procreative power. The mind represents our thought processes, our intellect, but also our imagination. What a place the enemy attacks us in these days. We need only to watch a night of television or spend time on social media or even look over the shelf in just about any library to see some of the ways that we're under siege. Be sober, it says. Don't allow yourself to be numbed into following along with the rest of the world. Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be anchored to Jesus Christ and know that he will give you grace to go onward and upward into fullness in him. As scripture tells us, the peace of God, which is built upon reconciliation through Christ and the giving of the Holy Spirit, 
who breathes the Father's love into your heart shall guard or garrison your heart and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. In 14, it says, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which has called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Being obedient children doesn't really imply obedience that we think of, like when we make our children comply with things, do it because I said so. Being obedient children of our Heavenly Father instead means that we want to submit to Him out of an attentive hearkening to His desires. We want what He wants. We are not ignorant. We don't submit to the former things. The old has passed away. We're made new in Him. And then comes this call to holiness. He is holy. He says, Be holy, for I am holy. This says, Be holy in all manner of conversation. That's a great idea. But from what I see in the original language, it looks like even though it's translated conversation, and it does cover our conversation, what it really is saying is be holy in everything, in what you speak and also in what you do and think. Be holy in how you live. First Peter goes on to admonish us to love one another with a pure heart fervently because we have obeyed the Spirit, the truth through the Spirit. We're born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God which lives and abides forever. Because we're born of this incorruptible seed of the word of God, we are able to cry out to him and he will help us to walk in true holiness. We must submit to him in all things. This is my prayer for us as the saints, that we would not be corrupted by the world, but we would become more and more like our elder brother, Jesus Christ, in true righteousness and holiness, that we would cling to him, that we would keep our eyes upon the Father. I bless you, saints, and I thank you for sharing this time with me. I am so looking forward to seeing many of you soon as we gather together in Dallas, and the rest of you will be there among us in spirit. May the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Amen.